Greetings, folks. You probably might not know me. My name is Pastor Louis D. Siena. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and I want to talk about this very important topic. I got my Monster, where is it, right here, my Monster Energy shirt on. My son used to work for them because that will drive all the 666 people nuts because, you know, they're just looking for it everywhere. Um, and I want to talk to you about this very important topic. Do the Jews still have an old covenant to rely on for salvation, or do they need to enter into faith with Jesus Christ? And that's a really good topic. It's a controversial one. And so someone who uh, my spiritual father was Jewish, I grew up around 50% of my friends were Jewish. And you know, when I was young, I didn't think about it because I wasn't a Christian when I was young. I was Catholic, but I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't following, uh, you know, Yeshua. I wasn't following my Lord and Savior. I wasn't living for him. Um, I was I was maybe prescribing, and I wasn't even a good Catholic, so I hate blaming the Catholics, you know, for that. Um, but I certainly wasn't sexually moral. I certainly wasn't behaving properly. And then I came and meet Jesus when I was 24 and a half years old, and actually almost 25, uh, closer to that side, really, and uh, gave my life, and Jesus rocked my world, changed my life, and... His word began to transform me in my life, in my conduct, in my attitude. I am a prescriber of we are to walk in holiness with God. We are to walk in purity of thought, purity, purity of our actions. None of us are perfect in this. So the truth is we all need mercy, but the standard is still Christ, and which none of us can fully apprehend Okay, so, but that's still the standard. And that's why Jesus, that's why, because none of us can fully apprehend that, that's why we need Jesus. Now, the, you know, one of the, some of the objections um, for Jewish believers is we have the old covenant. Okay, well, here's the problem. It is in your own, it's in the scriptures that God is, God is going to make a new covenant with them. You know, but it was an everlasting covenant. Yeah, but the problem was, Israel broke the covenant, and God had enough of it. And God's intention was always Jesus. It's in Daniel uh, chapter 7, the Son of Man comes unto the Ancient of Days. And so we're going to talk about some things, okay? I'm going to say this right up front. A couple things here. Jewish people, let's say those who either believe they're Jewish by faith or by uh, the law or Jewish by ethnicity, doesn't matter, okay, need to believe in Jesus for salvation, okay. But someone like Ben Shapiro, who is, he would say he's an Orthodox Jew, he goes to the synagogue, keeps the Sabbath, eats what's appropriate, all that stuff, doesn't need to convert, he does need to repent and receive Jesus. He doesn't have to stop being Jewish, because I hate that thought. I didn't stop being Italian when I became a Christian, okay? You don't have to stop being maybe Catholic or Baptist or anything like that, but you have to have the faith in Jesus. And we sometimes get those two mixed up. I want to say this, Paul didn't leave the law when he got saved, he said he left Judaism. Now, we have to understand what Judaism was. Judaism was not biblical religion. 
Judaism is what was created after Babylon. And it became so mixed in its belief systems that it was no longer. Number one, 252 laws out of the law of Moses to 613 in Judaism. A hundred of those laws were written against women. Women were now property. Women could not divorce. Women could not walk outside unveiled. If they were unveiled, if their faces were unveiled and they walked outside, they could be divorced. You know, they had to be fully clothed. <laughs> what does that sound like? All right, not just their head covered. They had to have their face covered back in real strict Judaism. Okay? And Paul addresses this in Corinthians because they believe women had to keep their head covered. And Paul says, we all know such custom in the churches to do these things. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. Famous verse, but let's look at it. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But so now let's see the picture. That you understand why Jeremiah wasn't liked in Israel. Okay. He wasn't liked because he was prophesying this. Because here's the thing. The reality is if you study history, the Jews broke the covenant. They didn't even get out of the wilderness before they slept with the daughters of Baal, started getting into witchcraft. They constantly were testing God in the wilderness. That's why they were there 40 years <clears throat> instead of what it should have been around 10 months. You go, well, they could have made it in 11 days. They weren't going in until they had the ark built. So it, was going to take them, it took them about nine and a half months to build the ark and all the things in it. That's also a symbol of Jesus because that's how long it takes for a woman to prepare a body in her womb. And it took Mary that long to build in her womb, to fashion in her body, for God to fashion her body, the body of Jesus. It's a type and symbol. So they weren't going in until that was done. However, because they wouldn't go in when it was time to go in, because they decided that they were afraid, they didn't trust God, and they tested God so many times, they ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness. So there's no, there's no doubt Israel broke the covenant. You, it's not that they just broke the law, okay? Because God had provisions for when they sinned. It's that they broke the covenant. And that's different than breaking the law. They broke the covenant. And there were there was judgments to be upon Israel and the people for breaking the covenant. That's different than breaking the law. Okay? You have to understand it. Now, I want you to understand that because the law was holy. So God doesn't have a new law. He didn't create a new law. Most Christians think, well, now the law is love. But the, when Jesus quotes, uh, in, when he quotes and he says that the... Uh, the first commandment is to love the Lord thy God. The second is like itself. Love thy neighbor as itself. The, two, the commandments are summed up in these two commandments. That comes out of Deuteronomy. That's not, that wasn't new. Jesus was actually quoting the law. The law of love was always in the old as well as in the new. This is the, sometimes the thing that 
is confusing to Christians. They, they don't realize that the law was not contrary to Christ. The morality of the law, the instruction to love your God. Look, it says to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. How could I not love the Lord? I mean, that's that should be our absolute in the New Testament. That, that isn't going away. I shouldn't murder. I shouldn't bear false witness. Um, committing adultery, what's talking about there, that shall not commit adultery, that shall not take my name in vain. People think that means cussing. No, what it means is we're about the swearing covenant. I'm going to put my name upon you, Israel. Do not take it in vain. If you're not serious about keeping this, don't do it. Okay, now listen. He's going to make a new covenant. Christians need to understand that we've been grafted in, listen, to a covenant that was given to Israel, not to the Gentiles, but to Israel. And Paul explains in Galatians chapter 4 that there are two covenants, two, two Jerusalems, the natural Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem. The natural Jerusalem on earth will not inherit everlasting life. It's the new Jerusalem, the church, which is neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female, slave nor free, rich or poor, but all one in Christ. Okay? And so that's the new Jerusalem. Forget about the earth and all that. Okay? Think about this. All right. So we're we're grafted in there. And, and this is actually spoken about in Romans 11, that God could take that unbelieving branch that is in there by nature, by natural branch, and he could prune it out. And he took me and he was able to graft me in. As long as I stay in faith, he says. But Paul says this, how much more can he take that that natural branch if they should repent? How much more can he graft them back in? So the question is, what am I grafted into? Abraham, Paul says, that if we're that all those who are of faith are of the seed of Abraham. Okay, it's really important to understand this. Okay, all right, let's keep going here because not according to the covenant that I made, God's making a new covenant. It's not according to that. What was the old covenant? You must do these things to be righteous. By the way, no one was able to do them. Okay, nobody was able. <clears throat> You'll find that David and Moses all, all saw something that caused them to violate certain things in the law because they were now living by faith. And that's for a different topic, different subject. All right. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law, there's the law, in their minds. And I will, you understand, he didn't sit there and say, I'm getting rid of the law. He got rid of the law for righteousness sake. In other words, you are not made righteous by doing the law. Because if you're made righteous by doing it, you're equally unrighteous every time you fail. All right. <clears throat> and I will put the law, I'll write the law on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his birth, saying, Know the Lord, <clears throat> for they shall they all shall know me. I got a question about this. What does that mean? Well, what it means is in the old covenant, only certain members of the Levitical priesthood, or really of the you know, priesthood, Aaron's tribe, 
could really know the Lord because they spend time in the tabernacle with him. Okay? We couldn't know the Lord. You had to believe what he said. I couldn't know the Lord personally for myself. And that's the beauty of Christ. Because not only did he save us, he sent his spirit in us, crying in our hearts, Abba, Father, that we would know him. Not know about him, but to hear his voice and to see his face. All right. Let's keep going. <clears throat> they shall be, I, I shall be their God. They shall be, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they all shall know me from the least in them to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin will remember no more. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars of the light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar, and the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from the beginning of the nation before me forever. <clears throat> no worse. Look, God didn't get away with Israel. God, God, look it. Not only does the Father, but also the Son and the Spirit love Israel. And as Christians, we love Israel. And God does have a remnant. Every believing Jew means that God has not forsaken Israel. Paul explains this, I think it is in Romans 10. He says, I'm one of their countrymen. Which is saying, look, it just goes to show you that God didn't forsake Israel because I was an Israelite and he saved me through Jesus Christ. All right. <clears throat> so we, we, I want us to understand that. Okay. There's a new covenant. It's old. That's, that's in the scriptures, both to the Jew and the Gentile, both to the Jew and the Christian. That's in our scriptures. A new covenant. Now, who is this new covenant? That's Jesus. Now, but I want to give you maybe a, 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 a sign that happened that maybe you didn't think about. Okay? And I, I want to talk about this. Number one, Christians confuse um, the term son of God, where Jesus did say that he was the son of God, as that emphatically says Jesus was God. And that's actually not what that phrase means. When Jesus said he was the Son of Man, Christians believe he was saying he was all man. That's not. The Son of Man was a direct title and a direct, distinct person, God person, and we'll show you why it was God person, in Daniel chapter 7. I was watching, this chapter 7, 13, I was watching the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, which is the Father, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. All the peoples and the nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So they're all serving him. They're all worshiping him. It's not the Father. The Father's on the throne, the Ancient of Days. The book of Revelation, by the way, also gives us, a, you know, I love when people say the Trinity is not in Scripture. I just, I'll bless their heart. Okay? 
Let's, let's see if the Trinity is even in the book of Revelation. It is. Let's look. Grace to you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, you might think, you might think, listen, you might think that's Jesus. It's not. That's the Ancient of Days. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, the Father, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's the Trinity. And um, those people say, well, the word Trinity is not in Scripture. That's ridiculous. That The terminology, Trinity, came from seeing that there was the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And it's just such a lame argument. It's not even worth having. All right. So, Jesus said in John 14, 6. Let's, let's turn there. And John is such a great book because John really understood the priesthood. I suspect John was part of the priesthood or being trained in it. Or had relatives in it. Something. Because John's able to get to the trial of Jesus because he knows someone. All right. But um, John 14. When I go through these scriptures, I, I blow away some of the belief systems about what these are. Uh, number one, my father's house wasn't talking about heaven. My father's house is talking about the tabernacle for another time. Because, But let's just go here. Verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, again, I think a lot of Christians don't know what that means. But that were the three entrances, the doorways in the tabernacle. To come to the bronze and labor, you went through the way. That was the first opening. The truth was the screen between the bronze and laver and the holy place. And the veil was called the life. And you can look this up. Most Christians, most Jews don't even know this, by the way. But most Christians definitely don't know this. That Jesus is saying, hey, you know how you went through the tabernacle to get to God? I was it. I was the one. This is what it was representing. It was me. No one can come to the Father except but by me. Okay, and so <clears throat> it's talking about the tabernacle in my father's house is a Jewish idiom for the holy place, the most holy place of God. Okay, it was called the father's house and he uses it in three places. Okay, he uses it in uh, Numbers chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. And he says, Moses was faithful in all my house. And then it's used in Hebrews chapter 3 when it's talking about Moses and comparing him to Jesus. He said, Moses was faithful in all my house, but Jesus, being a son, was faithful over his own house. All right. So, um, but let's even be more convincing that Jesus is the one. If you're watching this, you're Jewish. You do not have to stop being Jewish, okay? You don't have to stop going to synagogue. You don't have to stop uh, keeping the Sabbath. By the way, do all those things. Paul doesn't sit there and say, don't keep any day holy. Paul says this. There's some people, some, who keep one day a week holy, the Sabbath. 
And but as Christians, we keep every day holy. Is actually the Christian way of looking at. It. He says some people keep one day, some people keep every day. He said, but worrying about moons and all this stuff that doesn't matter. We're not worried about that. All those sacrifices. There's there's and I'm teaching this on Sunday mornings. You can get download the Gate Church of Jacksonville app, and you can get these sermons I'm teaching on the priesthood, the new covenant priesthood. So get that, but. There are three sacrifices for the new priesthood that we are to offer up ourselves, offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1. Uh, Hebrews 7, the tithe, okay, because we, we tithe and he receives them there. And then three is the sacrifice of praise to our God. Those three things we are to offer up continually to him, okay? That's the sacrifice of praise. We don't have to offer up animal sacrifice, Jesus fulfilled it. See, the old covenant, how good was it when you had to offer up animal sacrifices all the time and every year? And and one of the problems was when the priesthood would change, you had a new intercessor. You had a new stand, go-between. Okay? We only have one now, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, but let's, I want to show you a really remarkable sign uh, and, and take you on a journey with me. Um, Deuteronomy 18. I want us to go there first. And I want you to just follow along. Look, you don't have to agree. You can put your comments. Just be nice. If you are rude, if you are disrespectful in the comments, you get kicked off and blocked. It's just my rule. There's no reason for us to be mean and nasty. You do not have to agree with me. <laughs> That's the great thing. You You don't have to agree with me. But I would ask you, to just go study and pray. I always tell, you know, sometimes I tell Jewish believers, man, just pray. If you ask the Father, you go, Father, if you just really show me, is Jesus really the one? And you're sincere. It's not, it's not like trying to test God. God will, God will reveal his son to you. But let's look at this. Deuteronomy 18:15. The Lord your God, this is Moses, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear, according to all you desired, all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb, in the days of the assembly, saying, "Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die." And the Lord said to me, "What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren. I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all." that I command him. You know, Jesus did say, I speak what my father tells me. Basically, I only do what my father tells me. I only speak what my father tells me. He tells the disciples, all things the father shared with me, I've shared with you. Okay? Now listen to this, though. I want to show you a really interesting, interesting event in, in the first Pentecost that we have in Scripture. And that first Pentecost is actually found in Exodus 19. If you notice in verse 1 of Exodus 19, it's the third month, which is Pentecost. Okay? I don't want to get into this too deeply now, but Rosh Hashanah is not a, is not a biblical thing. It's actually a Babylonian thing. Atonement is, but not, not Rosh Hashanah. I might do a separate video on that. Let me know if you want me to, to talk about why Rosh Hashanah is not biblical. Put that in the comments. I'd love to hear from you. Because I would love to do a video if I have enough people who really want me to prove that it's not. We can do that because there are so many things wrong with it. It's not funny. All right. 
Just go down to verse 9 here, and I just want to show you something. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and believe you forever. So Moses told the words to the people. So God says this, look it. I'm going to speak audibly to you from the cloud. The people are going to hear this happen. It's going to cause them to hear you. In other words, they're going to go, whoa, Moses is chosen by God. Okay? It's really important. All right? Now, go to Mark chapter, um, Mark chapter 1. And this is Jesus getting baptized. Remember, I'm going to raise up someone like you, Moses, from your brethren. And I'm going to do something I did with you that's going to, in other words, I'm, I'm going to put my words in his mouth, but God's going to do something that he did with Moses, with Jesus, so that the people around Jesus will know that he's the one. Now listen. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came to Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now this is different than the other time later on in John, I think it's 12, when God speaks from heaven again. They say, some say it was God, some say it was angels, uh, some say it thundered. Okay, that's different. Here, because he's being baptized, God speaks from heaven. Okay, and speaks over him. Now why is this important? Because those around him, this was a confirming sign that this was the Messiah. Now think about this. As great as Moses was, and he was a deliverer, but he was not a savior. He could not save their souls. He could not save them from sin. He was a deliverer out of Egypt. But Jesus, greater than Moses, the only begotten of the Father, come in the likeness of God and the likeness of flesh. He came to pay the perfect sacrifice. He walked perfectly without sin he showed us the law he showed it walked out perfectly by loving the lord thy god with everything he's got and loving his neighbor as himself and a new commandment he gave us which was to love our enemies which was not in the law but was now in the new covenant he even displayed that when he's on the cross he says father forgive them forgive these guys killing me they don't know what they're doing forgive them that's loving your enemies it's having mercy on your enemies. It tells the man on the cross with him, today you're going to see me in paradise. All the man said was, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He says, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. Come on. That's, that's our Savior. And he speaks. And <clears throat> we have some um, other passages and other gospels where it says they immediately, two of them started immediately following Jesus. Why? Because you imagine hearing that. It's recorded in the Holy Word. Look, <clears throat> there's a couple challenges that I, I see when it comes to Christians witnessing the Jewish people. And I want to apologize for that. And here's some of our problems. We're not living holy lives. I'm, try, I'm living a holy life. I'm saying most Christians aren't living in holiness. We're not living a life that says, wow, they really believe what they say. 
We believe in the forgiveness of Jesus. We don't believe in the transforming power of Jesus enough that we are going to be transformed by him. And that can be a real stumbling block. because. But here's the thing. Um, neither did the Jews live a perfect holy life either. Didn't change Moses. <clears throat> Didn't change who God was. Just meant men are infallible. And we're not, none of us are going to be that perfect. Okay, none of us are going to be flawless. I always say this to people: we're perfected in Christ, but it doesn't mean we're not flawless. Okay, we have flaws, and that doesn't mean they're all sin. We have personality flaws, we have behavioral flaws. Not all of it's sin. Sometimes it's just really annoying, you know. And um, that—that's no excuse, though. The standard is Christ, and but it also goes to prove our point that we all need a savior. And see, here's the deal in Christ. I can either try to earn my own righteousness, which I will never do, or I could say thank you for Jesus and him completing the task of obtaining the righteousness for me and giving it to me. Now listen to me. Doesn't mean you have to stop being Jewish. Please. <clears throat> Doesn't mean you have to give up Shabbat and all that. It doesn't mean that. Okay? It does not mean that. And as equally it doesn't mean I have to keep the Shabbat meal and all that. Okay, I do try to get rest Friday, Saturday. But when I'm ministering, I'm not worried about it. You go, why not? Because even when the priests were ministering on the Sabbath, they weren't sinning because they were doing God's work. Jesus says, is it right to do good on the Sabbath? If you do good every day of your life, you're in a good place. In other words, the Sabbath wasn't made, um, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. What was the Sabbath? Well, number one, God rested on the seventh day. And man somehow had lost, especially in slavery. In Egypt, they were working every day of the week. And they didn't have rest for hundreds of years. And, and their habit was to always fret about food, to always fret about provision. And yet Jesus and Moses tells them and God tells them, work six days and take a seventh day. Now you might think, man, they're working. He's making them work six days. No, he's giving them a day off. They didn't have rest. The, the, Egypt didn't give them rest. Okay. And so this was something new to them. Now, I am all for the Sabbath. I'm not made righteous by it. Okay, I'm not made righteous by the Sabbath. No more so am I made righteous by not committing adultery or not murdering someone. I am behaving righteously, but I'm not made righteous from it. That's the difference. One is dealing with behavior. The other one's dealing with atonement. I must, I, I do believe in behaving righteously, but my righteousness comes from faith in Jesus. Now look, I am not the best person to speak to Jewish people, and I, I'm okay with that. But why don't you go follow a YouTube channel, if you're Jewish, called um, One for Israel, I do believe is the title of it. And they are, I'll put a link down below for their YouTube channel, and, and listen to the testimony of many Jewish people who have met Yeshua and have come to the faith. 
I don't want you to think you have to stop being Jewish. You don't. You're not converting. You're repenting. The Bible says this. Jesus in, in John chapter 16, verse 8, um, said, said a remarkable thing. I want you to catch it. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out and convict the world of sin. Now, what's sin? Sin for adultery? Said No, he says this. It's going to convict the world of sin. Um, sin because they do not believe in me. Listen to me, Jewish person. My friend, you're my friend. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to speak evil of you. I'm not, I love I love people. I don't just love Jewish people. I love Indian people, Russian people. I love people. I, I love all people. I prefer that everyone not be a murdering, you know, psychopath, but I do love people, okay? And I will stand with the person who is struggling and help them, okay? Jesus spoke this to you, to the Jewish people. Then speak of the Gentiles. He told his disciples, look, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and he's going to convict you guys, the, 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 the nation of sin, the world. But let's just speak of the Jewish nation of sin. Why? Because right now they don't believe in me. That's the sin. And I want you to be, man, number one, I want you to go to heaven. Number two, I want you to be free. Free from what? Free from the weight of guilt and shame. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean not being holy. Oh my Lord, no. It means being transformed from the inside out. Because I do believe in holy conduct. I don't believe in, you know, I don't believe in, I don't believe in homosexuality. I don't believe in living with someone before marriage. I don't believe in, I, I, I believe there's a right way in God. And that's the way we should choose. However, some people make really bad choices. And that's unfortunate. But Jesus didn't. And that is to our fortune. So let's just say you're Jewish right now. You're Jewish and you're listening. You're, you're a Gentile and you're listening. I'd like to pray the prayer of salvation with you. It's not one actually given in Scripture. It's just one we can pray. Really, all you have to do is believe. You need to be baptized. Okay? And so... You know, for me, I was on the couch believing in you trying to figure out Jesus. It was December 4th, 1989, coming up on it. Was it Sunday? This coming Sunday. I'm making this on November 28th of 2022. And so next Sunday will be, what is that, 33 years? Is that right? That's right, 33 years. And I was sitting on the couch for six weeks on Mondays on my day off. I sat there and I went... Because I heard Jesus. I heard this message about Jesus. I went, how do I, how do I receive him? How do I receive Jesus? How does that work? You know what? I got up off my couch. And I drove to a church. And I knocked on the door and I said, this Jesus, how do you get him? Pastor Russ Cochran, and I always give credit, brought me into the office. And he took me through the scriptures. And he prayed with me. And then he had, told me to come back two nights later for baptism on Wednesday night. I was the only one baptized. And I, gave my, I, I got baptized in Christ. It was the most amazing experience those couple days. 
um, just feeling so free and so forgiven, loved by God. And then I want you to get filled with the Spirit. But let's just start with this one. Let's pray this. Why don't you just close your eyes and repeat these words with me as I pray. And you say, you say them along with me in faith. Say, Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned against you. But I believe that your son Jesus, who you sent for me, is the Son of God. And that he died, was buried, and he rose again. He was the perfect sacrifice and fulfilled the requirement that by faith I too can receive the righteousness obtained for me. Father, would you forgive me of all my sins, especially for not believing in your Son? And I ask, Father, that you welcome me into your family by pouring your loving Spirit upon me and in me and filling me. And I will get up and I will go get baptized. And I will bear witness. And I'll bear your name upon me and tell others. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let me tell you something. If you just prayed that, would you put that in the comments? Because I'd like to welcome you into the kingdom of God. Go ahead and download the Gate of Jacksonville, the Gate Church of Jacksonville app. We're in both app stores. Download that, okay? And this way, if you download it, there's something, there's a, if you look on the thing, there'll be a, a series called Foundations. And I go through some just very basic foundational principles of being baptized and water and the spirit and stuff like that. And I really want, plus there is a thousand messages available and you could have a field day. You can also contact me on the app. And if you have any questions, ask them. There's a, you can make a profile. You can get into our community, ask questions. If you have prayer requests, you can make them there and we'll pray for you. We want to be there for you. I know this is going to touch your life. I know it has. And I am so honored that you sat and listened to me. And I pray that you and me will see each other in glory someday. And if I get there first, or I get there second, would you come up to me in heaven and let me know your name? Because you will be all worth it to me to know that you're there. God bless you, and you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye-bye.